0: Well, hello my friends. Welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. So glad to have you joining me on this Friday broadcast. And we're going to wrap up the week talking about the doctrine of suffering. As you think about suffering, you're going to constantly be under pressure. Somebody said that you're going to be finding yourself one of three places in life. Either you're in the middle of trouble, just coming out of trouble or getting ready to go back into trouble. And so I want to encourage you, just keep on keeping on, even when you feel like quitting, right? As a matter of fact, I'm going to begin with a poem entitled, Keep On Building. An old man traveling a lone highway came at the evening cold and gray to a chasm vast and deep and wide through which was flowing a sullen tide. The old man crossed in the twilight dim. The sullen stream had no fears for him, but he turned when safe on the other side and built a bridge to span the tide. "'Old man,' cried a fellow pilgrim near, "'you're wasting your time in building here. Your journey will end with the closing day. You never again will pass this way. You have crossed a chasm deep and wide. Why build you this bridge at eventide?' The builder lifted up his gray head. Good friend, in the path I have come, he said, there follows after me today a youth whose feet must pass this way. This dream, which has been nothing to me, to that fair-haired youth may pitfall be. He too must cross in the twilight them. Good friend, I am building this bridge for him. Have you ever thought how your life would change when you would be focused on the generation that is coming up behind you? Realizing that God has set you up for such a time as this to prepare the hearts of the next generation that is coming up behind you. You see, when you think about spiritual maturity, we are to pass that faith along. And so as we go through times of suffering, realizing that we are teaching the generation behind us how to handle times of suffering. You know, times of suffering are going to come. Peter told us not to be surprised by those times of suffering. They're always going to be bringing about good. And sometimes you don't see that good until you are gone. There is a guy by the name of Johann Gutenberg, and he holds the distinction of being the inventor of the movable type printing press. In 1455, Gutenberg produced what is considered to be the first ever printed copy of the Bible. It's a Latin language Bible printed in Germany. And as you look at the life of Johann, and he was born, his real name was a different name than the name that he went by, but he was given this name. And ironically, as you look at his life, He created this most important invention in history, but did you know that Gutenberg was a victim of an unscrupulous business associate who took control of his business and left him in poverty? Gutenberg died without a penny to his name. Nevertheless, the invention of the movable type press meant that Bibles and books could finally be produced in large quantities. In a short amount of time, on September 30, 1452, Johann Gutenberg's Bible was published, becoming the first book to be published in volume. When you think about this, this man had no idea how he was going to affect future generations. When I look at society, oftentimes we forget the impact that we're going to have on future generations. You see, we don't live for ourselves. We live for those who are coming up behind us. We must learn that we are living our lives as living stones. 1 Peter 2.9 says, We are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And because of that, we are tremendously empowered. We are living stones. We are making a difference in the lives of others. And so when we look at this, have you ever eaten boneless ribs or jumbo shrimp? Uh, Maybe you've spoken in a, a loud whisper or referred to something as awfully nice. Now, each of these phrases are what we would call an oxymoron. The term given when two seemingly contradictory words are combined. Living stones is also an oxymoron. I mean, stones are dead. In fact, they never had life. What a perfect way to illustrate our condition. When Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, the spirit in him, that part of him that enabled him to commune with God, it died. From that day, every human being has been born with a dead spirit. So the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone, says the psalmist. I want you to know that you are chosen by God. Romans chapter 3 reminds us that there is a stone that is laid that crushes people and that causes people to stumble. It's a rock that makes people to fall. And the one who believes in him will not be put to shame. So those of us who have put our faith and trust in Christ, I want you to know that God has breathed into us living stones. We are alive. We're not only just living stones, but we are also building stones. That means that we are ever growing. You know that you are part of the most important building project in all of history? This is how Paul weighed into this subject in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he says, for no one can lay a foundation other than that one which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. And now he says, if any man builds on the foundation of gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident. For the day will show it because it was revealed with fire. And the fire itself would test the quality of each man's work. You see, when you look at your life, at the end of your life, things are going to be burned off. But the precious foundation of your life will live on for future generations. I want you to know that God is using you and you are precious to God. So don't be afraid to be a follower of Christ. You know, that arch enemy, the devil, he can't hurt you, deter you, or discourage you when you are under the love of God. Even before you were a twinkle in your mama's eye, God had this plan for you. I love how the psalmist puts it. If you're feeling a little bit down, that your life is making no difference at all, read Psalm 139. Verse number 13 says that God formed your innermost parts. God knitted you together in your mother's womb. The psalmist says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. He says, my soul knows it very well. My frame wasn't hidden from you when I was being made in secret. I was intricately woven together in the depths of the earth. God's eyes saw my unformed substance. And in your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me when yet there was none of them. Don't you love that? Knowing without a shadow of a doubt, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that you are created and God has an amazing planned for you. You are precious to God. You know, there's a story about a king of Sparta in ancient Greece who boasted to a visiting monarch about the mighty walls of Sparta. But the guest looked around and he didn't see any walls. And he finally had to say to his host, I'd like to see those walls. Show them to me. The Spartan ruler pointed with great satisfaction to some disciplined and well-trained troops, part of Sparta's mighty army. And he exclaimed, There they are. These are the walls of Sparta. Just as each Spartan soldier was viewed by the king as a brick in a mighty wall, so are we viewed as God's living stones built up as a spiritual house. Oh, I hope you realize that you are an integral part of the plan of God to build up something great. That is the church, the kingdom of God, being raised up. You know, we are also spiritual homes. When we come to the living stones and we're shaped into living stones ourselves, we are built into a spiritual house. Christ is the builder, and he builds the individual Christian Into a spiritual temple. It's spiritual because it houses the Holy Spirit. Paul says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells within you? Now that's a reference to the local church. But as you look at that, we are part of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And as a result, we are growing and God is using us to grow and to be a blessing to those who are around us. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says, Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and no longer foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. I'm so glad that I don't have to go through this myself. I have fellow believers that are part of the members of the household of God. And he says that we are being built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus himself being that chief cornerstone. What an amazing reality to realize that we are growing together, part of the holy temple of the Lord, and we are being built together, and we are being held together by the Spirit of God. Well, I want you to know, when you're going through a hard time, remember that you are a holy priesthood. You are ever being built. You have unrestricted, undeserved access to God. We've got a lot of privilege, but we have some responsibility, and we learn that we are to be praying for others. You know, that's the job of the priest. When you're going through a hard time, it's so easy to look inward. But why don't you spend some time praying for others? In John chapter 17, Jesus prayed for us. He prayed for us as future believers in him. In First Timothy chapter 2, Paul says, I urge you that would supplications and prayers and intercessions and thanksgiving be made for all people. You know, through him, we are to continually to offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. And how is that done? By the fruit of our lips that gives thanks to his name. And don't neglect doing good and sharing. For such sacrifices, God is pleased. So it's praise time, right? Hebrews chapter 13 reminds us that we are to praise God for all the sacrifices that he made on our behalf. You know, there's something else that we got to keep in mind. We are going to be used as a spiritual sacrifice, ever acceptable to God. You know, when I think about all that the Lord has done in my life and how he's blessed me beyond what I deserve, beyond what I could expect, because of that blessing, There is a high level of expectation that God has placed upon me, and the same is true on you. You see, when God saves us and He redeems us, He gives us a mission, and that mission is to go out and present ourselves as living sacrifices. Paul said in Romans chapter 12, I urge you, brothers and sisters, because God has been so merciful to you, You should offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and your proper worship. As we worship God, we are offering ourselves up. We're doing it in view of God's mercy because God has been so good to me. I can't help myself but to be a living sacrifice. And we do this based upon the fact that God is building us together. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it says that we are being built according to the grace of God, which he has given me. And Paul says that God's a wise master builder. He says, I have laid the foundation and another builds it, but let each take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anybody lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now, when I read this verse, it places some heavy responsibility upon me. Did you know that I am responsible for building the corner of the church that God has called me to build? And Paul says that others are going to be building on our foundation. So how you build your life today is going to impact those who are coming up behind you. So as a result of this, we should be undeterred. We should be proclaiming the good news of the gospel wherever we go. Share it with joy. Share it with enthusiasm. Listen, somebody shared the gospel with you one day, and as a result, you are an ambassador for Christ. Now, I want to encourage you to learn from your mistakes. I was reading an article from Our Daily Bread not too long ago, and uh, this article was taken from January the 16th of 2024. And as I was reading this, it was such a blessing to me I hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you as well. It's entitled, Learning from Mistakes. And the text is 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 11. These things happened to them as examples, and they were written down as warnings for us. So, let's learn from our mistakes. To help avoid future financial mistakes such as those in 1929 and those in 2008 that brought down the world's economy, the Library of Mistakes was founded in Edinburgh, Scotland. It features a collection of more than 2,000 books that can educate the next generation of economists. And it serves as a perfect example of how, according to the library's curators, smart people keep doing stupid things. The curators believe that the only way to build a strong economy is to learn from prior mistakes. Now, Paul reminded the Corinthians that one way to avoid yielding to temptation and to have a strong spiritual life is to learn from the mistakes of God's people in the past. So to make sure that you wouldn't become overconfident with their spiritual privilege, the apostle used ancient Israel's failures as an example from which they could gain wisdom. You see, the Israelites engaged in idolatry, chose to commit sexual immorality, grumbled about the plans and the purposes of God, and rebelled against His leaders. Due to their sin, they experienced His discipline. In 1 Corinthians 10, 7-10, Paul presented these historical examples from Scripture to help believers in Jesus avoid repeating Israel's mistakes. As God helps us, let's learn from our mistakes and those made by others so that we may gain a heart of obedience in Him. What warning should we recall when tempted to sin? How can we learn from our mistakes as well as the mistakes of others? Well, I think a matter of prayer can help us. To pray that we learn from the mistakes of others so that we don't repeat those same mistakes. Somebody said, experience is the best teacher. Well, I think a better teacher would be learning from the experience of others. You see, I'm not going to live long enough to experience everything I could possibly experience. And so it is wise for me to learn from the mistakes of others. That was the command that was given to us by Paul himself. And I wanted to read that portion of Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter ten, verses 7 through 10, because I know that this will encourage you today as you're going through your times of suffering. First Corinthians chapter ten, verses seven through ten. Now I'm going to be actually begin a little bit earlier than that. I'm going to actually begin at verse number seven. Verse number six, rather. Paul writes. These things happened as a warning to us. Now, what is he talking about? He's talking about all that happened in previous generations, all of the sins of Israel, and how they constantly rebelled against God and rebelled against Moses. And here, Paul is reminding us that those things happened to warn us, so that we might not crave evil things as they did. Now, why did they rebel against Moses? It wasn't that they hated Moses. It's that they started to crave evil things. So whenever you start craving evil things, you will start to disrespect those who are leading in righteousness. It continues on. He says, they craved evil things. They worshiped idols as some of them did. As the scriptures say, the people celebrated with feasting and drinking and they indulge themselves in pagan revelry. And we must not engage in sexual immorality as some of them did, causing 23,000 of them to die in one day. Now, as we look at this, this ought to be a strong warning to us. When you look at the sexualization of our culture today, what breaks my heart is even Christians are being caught up in this sexual devolution is what I would call it. As a result of being sexualized, we are missing the fact that God is wanting to lead us. We are told we must not engage in sexual immorality as some of them did, causing 23,000 of them to die in one day. Verse number 9, nor should we put Christ to the test as some of them did, and they died from snake bites. And don't grumble as some of them did, and then were destroyed by the angel of death. These things happened to them as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. Paul gives us a strong warning here. He's reminding us that at the end of the age, the last days, that there's going to be more pressure for us to give in to the lifestyle of the world to cater to the world, to buy into what the world is living, and it's going to be intensified as we get to the last time. But Paul reminds us to be humble in these times, but yet to be firm. He says in verse number 12, if you think that you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptation in your life are no different from what others experienced. Now, I love this verse because I've adopted it as my life verse. This is a verse of great promise, but it's also a verse of great responsibility. Paul is reminding us that every temptation in life that comes down the pike, it is a temptation that is no different than what others experienced. We are not the first generation to experience the temptation to give in to the lust of the flesh. I think every generation to a certain degree has experienced that. Paul says, "It's no different than what others experience. But God's faithfulness is still alive. It's just alive as much today as it was yesterday. God is faithful. He's not going to allow you to be tempted beyond that which you are able. But He's going to take that temptation and He's going to allow you to stand. Allow you to stand beyond even your understanding of how much you can handle. And if you cannot handle the pressure, I love what Paul reminds us of, that God always provides a way of escape. So wise is the person who can see that exit that God is giving them and take advantage of that exit. You know, every time that you are tempted to sin, every time you're tempted to give in because the trial of the temptation is too severe, I want you to look for that escape route. I want you to look at it because it's there. The question is, will you take it? Will you walk through that exit or will you stay? When it comes to matters of giving into sin, we are told that we are to resist the devil and he will flee from you. When it comes to the sexual sins, we are told to flee from those sexual sins. We are to be like Joseph. You remember when Joseph was being seduced by Potiphar's wife? It says, day in and day out, he would go to work, and she was constantly trying to seduce him. And one day, he was pulled into her home and seduced. And what did Joseph do? Joseph didn't get into a debate with her. Joseph didn't get into an argument with her, but Joseph fled. He ran from that temptation. So wise are we to run from sexual temptation? Don't put yourself in a predicament where you're going to be tempted in that area run from those areas, avoid those areas, and you will discover that you will live in victory. Well, my time is up. It's another week of broadcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and I want to encourage you. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. Why not worship the Lord this weekend? Find a good Bible-believing church. If you don't have a church home, why don't you come on down to Hickory Ridge Community Church? We are at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. We would love to have you come and worship with us. And then, if you are interested in working at Hickory Ridge Academy, if you love children, especially the young children, right? If you're interested in teaching in our academy, would you shoot me a text message and say, hey, I'd like more information about that position. Shoot me a text at 252-267-2365. And then lastly, if there's anything that we can pray for you about, My Thursday morning prayer team would be honored to pray for you. Just shoot me a text and say, hey, would you pray for me? You don't have to give me your name. Just give me the nature of your prayer request, and our team will pray for you. I promise you we'll pray for you. And we will lift you up and we're going to ask the Lord to answer your concern, to answer your prayer request, because God answers prayer. I believe that. I am a product of answered prayer, and so are you. So let's pray for one another. Let's encourage one another, especially as we see the day approaching. Well, have an amazing weekend. I will talk to you on Monday. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com/1890557, backslash or you can listen